It's good to be with you today. We always are glad for the opportunities that we come to uh, Cottonwood Falls and uh, to uh, be with you in our worship. Uh, we're just uh, so happy for uh, your love and kindness to both David and Ann. And uh, we are just so blessed as uh, parents to know how happy they are in serving the Lord here and uh, the uh, ministry. And it's uh, exciting, uh, the uh, things that's uh, uh, been going on with the baptisms yesterday. And uh, I think of Luke's testimony a while ago. I thought that was was really tremendous. And uh, I remember I trusted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior when I was six years old. And uh, I know that many times when people are saved as children, uh, Satan uh, will do anything he can to uh, try to um, get us to question, to doubt. And uh, as a teenager, uh, I went through a time that I really wondered, did I really understand when I was six years old? Uh, what it meant to trust Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And I recall back to the conviction that I had of sin. I had gone to a child evangelism class, and I'm glad for your child evangelism ministry here because uh, that's been very near to my heart since uh, I was a child. And the teacher asked me after class one week if I would like to if I had ever trusted Christ as my Savior, and I told her, no, I hadn't. And uh, she asked me if I wanted to. And usually when children know that they're not saved, they're ready to do it. But I had an adult excuse. Uh, I want to do it at church. And so uh, she encouraged me, but uh, so... Uh, I went to church the next Sunday, and uh, the next week I debated about going back to club because I knew she was going to ask me if I had made a decision on Sunday. Uh, but I, I did go to class, and uh, sure enough, she asked me if I'd stay afterwards again, and uh, she asked if I had made the decision, and I said, uh, no, uh, but uh, I, I want to do it at church. And... Uh, but I remember from that day until the rest of the week, every time I crossed the street, if there was a car two blocks down the street, I wouldn't go across because I knew that if I died, that Jesus wasn't in my heart. And it's that conviction of sin that I remember as a six-year-old that I have no question, no doubt, but that Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. And I'd say to Luke today, he's been in my heart for over 70 years now, uh, 72 years, and uh, the, uh, the Lord is good, and he'll be with you, and he'll never leave you nor forsake you either. So uh, I really appreciated uh, Luke's uh, testimony here uh, this morning. I'd invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 10. And in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, I'd like to begin reading at the 19th verse. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter uh, by the holiest, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us 
through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up and to love uh, and good works, not the forsaking of ourselves together is the matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for these verses that you clearly point out to us what you expect of us and of our lives. And I pray that as we focus now upon the Word, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and that we might be faithful to do that which you would have us to do. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, school is about to start, and one of the first things that the students do is to size up the teacher. What are they going to expect? How hard are they going to be? And as they size up and think of what the the teachers might expect of them in the year, It's natural when we're under someone to ask, what do you expect of me? After pastoring for 42 years, and I started six weeks after my 21st birthday, so when I retired in uh, December of this past year, uh, it was over 56 years of pastoral ministry. But the last 15 years, I've been the senior adult in a large church in Kansas City. And being involved in a large church, then I was under the other staff. And of course, all of them were younger than me. (laughs) But uh, I had to realize that I was under them. And to recognize that that place of authority and leadership. But uh, it was interesting, the different supervisors that I had, and it seemed like I went back and forth between two of them over the period of uh, of 15 years, uh, that uh, there was a real difference in what they expected of me. One of them just expected me to carry on the ministry and, and to do the work. Uh, The other one liked to be a little more controlling and to let me know that he was in charge. (laughs) And uh, so uh, we, we recognize when we're under someone, we ask, what is it that they expect of us? 
But we know that God is above all. So we really should ask, what does God expect of us today? I think there are a number of passages in the Bible that tell us what God expects of us. I think of Micah 6, 8 that uh, says, um, What does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Three very important steps there. Micah summing up of what God expects of us. But I see here in Hebrews chapter 10, another concise passage of Scripture that tells us what God expects of us today. He speaks of our responsibility to God, our responsibility to Him. And then he speaks about our responsibility towards the world. And then he concludes with our responsibility to the church. And so I want us to note these three areas this morning. First, our responsibility to God. In verse 22, it said, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Our responsibility to God is let us draw near unto Him. And after nine chapters in the book of Hebrews, teaching us about what God has done for us, Now God tells us what he expects of us. And he says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of the faith. Back in verse 19, he said, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let us draw near with boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. We notice the earlier chapters in the book of Hebrews teach us how sinful man can enter into the presence of God. (coughs) And now we notice that he tells us to come in boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. We notice that Moses set up the tabernacle And the earlier part of Hebrews talks about the Old Testament and how that we have a better way through Jesus Christ. But we see that through that tabernacle in the Old Testament, there was the Holy of Holies. But the common person could not enter into that Holy of Holies. 
it was only the high priest. And the high priest could only enter one time a year as a representative of the people. And as a high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, he entered through the holy place in which there were six pieces of furniture. And we notice that it was very significant that those six pieces of furniture were arranged in the shape of the cross. That the high priest would go by the way of the cross into the holy of holies. And the furniture was never rearranged like we do our homes sometime. That we like to see a little change. The furniture there was always the same. It was always in the shape of the cross. And the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies by the way of the cross. And it was only the high priest that would see the Shekinah glory of God. But he represented the people to that God. But now we know that we can come directly to the Holy of Holies. Verse 19, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, by the blood of Jesus. We notice the basis of entering the holiness of God and drawing near to a holy God was the blood of Jesus Christ. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. And so, the high priest would enter by the way of the cross. And then we notice the basis is the blood of Jesus Christ, but the approach in verse 20, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh. As we're invited to draw near to God, we are to do it in a new and a living way. Death has a perpetual freshness, and the living way was opened by the dying Lamb. It was through His veil, His body that was broken for us on the cross, the suffering that Jesus Christ went through. And because of what Christ did on the cross, we can now come boldly to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 21 says, And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. Yes, we have a high priest, but our high priest is Jesus Christ. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. 
And Jesus Christ is our high priest. And we can enter into the holiness of God by way of Jesus Christ. And we can approach God directly through the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, let us draw near with a true heart. Our responsibility to God is to draw near with a true heart. How in contrast this is to the Old Testament. In Numbers 18.22, it says, Hereafter the children of Israel shall not come near to the tabernacle meetings, lest they bear sin and die. The children of Israel couldn't come near to the temple of God. But now, because of Jesus, because of his shed blood, and 1 John 1, 7 tells us it's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses from all sin. It's because of his blood. And then, It goes on to say, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Ephesians 5.26 says, Christ gave himself for the church to cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. The Word of God has a real cleansing effect upon our life. And that's why it's important that we daily keep in the Word of God and that we read the Word of God because we are clean through the Word which He has spoken to us with the washing of water. And then we notice that The tense here is given in the presence. It's that we are to continually draw near to God. So our responsibility to God is to draw near to Him. And if we draw near to God, then our responsibility to the world and the church will fall into place. Let's just briefly notice those. After noticing the most important thing is the need of drawing near to God. It's amazing how God works things together and how This fits after the Sunday school lesson this morning that uh, we had of who God is and how we need to draw near with boldness to that holy God. But then we notice our responsibility to the world to be a witness 
to the world. In verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. How we need to hold fast the profession of our faith to the lost and dying world in which we are living today. We notice in 1 Timothy 1.1, it says that the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our hope. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Let us hold fast the profession, the witness of Jesus Christ to the world in which we live. If the world is going to come to know Christ, It's going to be through us. And the importance of being a testimony to him. I think of the hope that Christians have brought to this world. You know, most of the hospitals were started out as Christian organizations. And still many of the hospitals bear the name of a denomination, a religion. Because we are Christians, we reach out and hospitals speak of the fact that Christians care. When we think of the importance of education, almost all of the higher schools of education started out as Christian institutions. It's sad today what's being taught at Harvard and Yale and some of the other institutions that were started out as godly institutions. But even the necessity of higher education, the church is saying to the world that we have a responsibility Christian radio that broadcast all over the world the gospel message of Jesus Christ says that we as Christians care for the world. The publishers and all of the literature that's been printed speaks of the fact that we have a responsibility to the world. Not only do we have a responsibility to the whole world, but we have a responsibility to the world around us and those that are around us that we might be a witness and a testimony for him. It's what God expects of us. Are you going to let God down? And then in closing this morning, I just mentioned briefly here our responsibility to the church. And our responsibility to the church is to enlighten 
believers. Notice verses 24 and 25. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Romans chapter 15 and verse 1 says that we are strong, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. We need to lift up the weak. We need to enlighten struggling believers. It's easy to see weakness, not to criticize, but that they might be brought to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. If you're not going to help, then don't look for weakness. But if you see weakness, we need to lift up and build up one another. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works and not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. God expects us to go to church. We learned last year during the pandemic and when the churches were closed for a while, we're thankful for media and the uh, Zoom and the way that we could get online and still have some fellowship with one another. But it's not the same as being there. It's not the same thing. But how sad it is that many that couldn't get out and go to church, and then they just got accustomed to being at home. And they say that many who quit going to church will never go back again. And how sad that is. Because God tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. God expects it of us. And it's for our own benefit. We benefit when we come together as the body of Christ. And when we encourage and lift up and enlighten one another. The importance of gathering together. God expects it of us. It's for our benefit, but it's also for the benefit of others. It's not that we go to church for what can I get out of it, but do you think when you go to church, what can I give? Who can I lift up? Who can I help? 
exhorting one another in Christian love. I say the order here is important this morning when we see what God expects of us. The order of God first, the world second, and then the church. If we neglect our responsibility to God, we will become cold and powerless. If we neglect our responsibility to the world, we become very narrow and pharisaical. But if we neglect our responsibility to the church, we become selfish and useless. Let us do what God expects of us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you this morning for the clear teaching of your expectations of us. Most of all and foremost to you. And when we come to you by the precious blood of Jesus Christ and are cleansed of our sin, it should be automatic that we have a concern for the world and for other believers. Help us to do what is right. In Jesus' name, amen.